book of Acts is probably uh, a single book in the Bible which shows the most of what we're talking about in the series. Uh, you know, we're talking about the need for us to be willing to allow God to be fully who He is. Uh, and sometimes for that, it means that, that uh, the ideas and the images, if you would, some of the boxes that we put God into, sometimes these boxes have to be broken. And uh, in the Scriptures, the book of Acts, it has this occurring over and over and over again. And to the most dramatic are with the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter. With Paul here, uh, you know, he's here on this road. He is traveling from one city to another with one purpose. He is going to find these people who are spreading word that God is someone other than who Paul believes God is. And on the way, as he's going to find these people who are trying to break this box of God, which has existed for thousands of years, he's confronted with something. Now, what's interesting is this. This occurrence does not happen anywhere else in the Scripture as far as uh, New Testament goes. This is the only person uh, who has this kind of encounter where uh, the Spirit of Jesus shows up in this powerful way to where he's knocked off his horse. His senses, if you would, are... are uh, fried even. It's, it's this, this place where he, he has these scales that begin to cover his eyes. He is he's overwhelmed. He hears a sound. He sees a light. He is shocked. He's knocked off his horse. It is something that, uh, in order for God to get through to Paul, it wasn't just an idea. God didn't slip him this piece of paper. So, okay, so here's the right doctrine to understand me. It took Paul being reoriented. It took an experience uh, for Paul that was going to jar him all the way to his core, for him to be willing to allow God to be who God really is to him. And so it took this dramatic experience to where this man who would become the Apostle Paul, who we talk about today, who wrote the majority of the scriptures that we have uh, in the New Testament. And so this, uh, this, in, this encounter with God is a great example of what we're talking about this morning. What does it look like whenever God challenges us to expand our understanding, to expand our image, our idea, our box of who God is? And to be honest, what this process, what this experience is like, it is jarring. It's, it's shocking. It's dramatic. It's painful. And it takes time. One of the things that... Um, and the story of Paul that we don't talk about often is the fact that from this moment, it took him years before he, if you would, the story of, of the Scriptures and of, of the Gospel continues. And there, there's, there's a, a period from three to nine years where Paul, he disappears um, off the scene. And it's a period where we find out that the Apostle Paul had to go away for a while to have him, his ideas of God reoriented. And so he has this experience and... Ananias meets him in Damascus, and he kind of teaches him, and they find him a mentor. But it takes years for Paul to realign who God really is with the way that he, with who he thought God was. It takes time to bring these things into focus. But for us this morning, the point is this. The point is that for most of us, we won't even ever start this process until something shakes us until something moves us, until, until something convinces us 
that we don't have God all figured out. So I just want to start with that this morning and just kind of allow that to kind of sit with us. Because I think that's one of the most frustrating parts of this process. It's not um, having to pursue God somewhere else. The hardest part in the entire process is having to accept the fact that maybe God isn't who we think he is. Um, who's watched The Biggest Loser before? Who's ever watched that show? Anybody? I love that show. It makes you feel like a terrible human being, right? You, you, these people, they're just, I'm, oh my goodness, these guys are awesome. Well, the show starts with one of the most um, effective kind of images uh, of what this process is like. It starts with these contestants, and they get off the bus, and they're all pumped, and they're excited, and then it takes them going to the mirror room, right? Have you guys seen that? And so, like, they walk in, and they close the door, and it's nothing but mirrors all around them. Okay? And in this process, they're stuck in there for, you know, it's like two to five minutes, whatever it is, and they have to just stare at themselves. In the process of staring at themselves, they have to stare at every angle of themselves. Wake up. This will not be fun for anyone, correct? So they start with the angle that they see most of the time, right? This angle. And then they start looking at this mirror and this one. This one. And then they go to that dreaded one. Oh, don't look at that one too long, right? And it's this process where at first it's always funny to see how they handle it. You know, at first it's kind of this, meh, meh, and then it's ha, 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 ha. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's setting in, right? They are coming face to face with reality. Here is where I am. And in order for this to change, it is going to take many steps. It's going to take hours. It's going to take effort. It's going to take this being a priority. It's going to take all these things I have not been willing to give it up to this point in my life. For this reality to change, it's going to take these things. Now, in this show, the ones who tend to, if you would, win, the ones who make it the end, the ones who, you know, who diet and they, they exercise real hard, you know, they're, when they get down emotionally, they kind of push through. It tends to be the ones who take the mirror stage the most serious. The ones who sit there in that, in that mirror uh, room and begin to say things like, I need this to change. I want to be here for my kids. Okay, when they begin to connect reality with this driving reason. I need to do this process because this, what I'm seeing here, is real. Now, in this process we've talked about, there's different stages in this process. And so when it comes to, when it comes to God, the first thing that we all experience, construction phase. It's the phase with us with God where uh, the first place that we hear about God, the first place that we're taught about God, if it's Sunday school, if it's church, if it's, you know, if it's our friend at school, if it's our parents, these first images of who God is, it's formed in us, okay? It's called construction. And so in this phase, it doesn't matter what we're told. We don't really know what's right or wrong. But whatever's being told to us, it, it's being cemented. It, it, it's almost like wet concrete, okay? It's loose right now. But if that idea stays inside of our minds, inside of our uh, you know, our conscious, if you would, it's going to get solid and hard. It doesn't matter, like, what happens in this process. Um, 
Imagine a sidewalk with wet concrete. It's like whenever a kid walks up and they just put their hands in it, right? It doesn't matter if you wanted the, the imprint of the hands or not. If you don't get it out in time, it's going to get solid and stay, correct? It doesn't matter what images of God are put in at that first stage. It doesn't matter how crazy stupid it is. So Father God, he's kind of, he's large, and he kind of glows, and he's jolly, and he kind of sits, you know, in this place, and he wants you to sit on his lap. Wait, that's Santa Claus. It doesn't matter what images are put in our minds. When they're put there, they're put there. Does that make sense? So when the concrete is wet, the, the things that we put in, in this concrete are crucial because when it cements, it's going to stay. You know what? Heaven is like babies with harps. Well, see, in the Bible, it says we're all going to worship him forever. So, you know, he's going to be on his throne, and we're going to be around him singing songs for eternity. And that's what heaven is. It's God sitting on a chair and us in a circle singing songs. Cemented. Aren't you excited to go to heaven? Oh, yeah, I can't wait to sing my favorite song forever. Really excited about that. So what's it mean to get saved? Pray Jesus into your heart. Cement it. So, what I need, so you're telling me that I need more from God, but you told me all I really needed was to repent of my sins, to receive them in a prayer, and I'm good. So why do I have to come to church in the middle of the summer? Cemented. See? The construction phase is so crucial for us, but most of us are already beyond that point. It's too late for us. It's already been cemented. In order for us to, if you would, have the right images of God, it's going to take what's cemented being broken up. If you have concrete and you're trying to break it up to put something new in its place, what kind of tools are you going to have to use? It's nice to meet you. That's my role, by the way. Jackhammer. Hi, how are you doing today? It takes something. It takes something of force. It takes something uncomfortable. It takes friction. Okay. Think about that person or that Facebook post or that video or that pastor, that sermon, that discussion, that idea of God that just rubbed you the wrong way. It took that friction. You just didn't like it. Well, you know, in the shack, they tell me God, the Father God, is a black woman. Friction, ah, no. It's a hammer. One hit, cling. No, he's a white man who's old and big, and he sits in a chair. And it's not Santa, don't tell me that. And he has gifts for me, and if I'm good, I get gifts. <laughs> You're all opening your Bibles now. Oh, my goodness, what have we done? It takes friction. It takes, and most of us are not willing to allow that process to happen. The moment that we begin to feel friction, 
we've been taught that's the time to push that away. Correct? The moment that we begin to feel friction, the moment that what we've been told begins to be hammered upon, that's when it's time to know that that's not God. Because if it's uncomfortable, that's not God. So if you're riding on your horse and this bright light appears and knocks you off your horse and you're blind and you're afraid and everything that you've ever known is taken upside down, that's not God at all. Terribly. That's not God. It can't be because it doesn't feel good. Because the Scriptures told me and all my teachers and my pastors told me and all my friends agree that this is who God is. But it takes that moment where something causes impact. Something causes friction for us. And so in this entire series, what I'm trying to get across to us is this. When you feel that friction, that's the time to lean in. When you feel that friction, that's where the good stuff is. That's where it's at. In those moments where someone's just saying everything you agree with, oh, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, this is great. That's the time when the odds are you're going to learn nothing. The odds are those are the moments when you're going to encounter, um, encounter nothing new of God. But those moments when it begins to just rub and rub and rub, that's the good stuff. And here's this. Here's what's painful about us. If we step into the, the room of mirrors, I'll say it this way. If we put our God, the image of our God, if we put him inside the room, this, this room of mirrors and we close the door and we just kind of look at it from all the angles, the more we look at it, well, he's the same color as me. He's Republican. Go on and on and on. The more we begin to look at it, we begin to see someone else's image in the mirror. And that's when we realize there's something wrong here. There's something off here. And so in this process, the hardest part for all of us in this room is this. It's that first step. It's just allowing that that friction, allowing that moment to continue is the hardest part. The hardest part is being willing to live in a place where not everything is as solid as you would like it to be because what happens is this. We have to break up what's in the ground, pull it out, and we need to begin to pour some new concrete. And the point is this. If we're really going to begin to, if you would, to discover who God is, we're probably not ever going to stop pouring fresh concrete. Does that make sense? And there's always going to be a part of our walk with God that's a little bit loose and not quite as firm or solid as we would like it to be. And we're going to have to, we're going to, have to learn to get comfortable with that process. Sound good? Excited? Yeah, amen. So here's the thing for us. In this whole process... You've got these different steps. You've got construction when it's formed and it becomes solid, and then you've got the fun stuff. You've got the deconstruction. That's when it's time to take the hammer out and begin to break it up. And then you have reconstruction. It's time to pour something new in this place, but it's also time to kind of to figure out what of these new things is God, but what of these old things is God as well. And so in this process, 
there are a few places that we can expect to find God. As we're talking about this idea of, of having to, again, encounter who God really is. So where does this happen? Do I go to the library? Do I go uh, to Facebook? Uh, where do I find this? Now, there are three places that you will begin to find God showing up, if you would. There are, are three places that God is always at work. And the first one we talked about last week, God is always going to be at work. We're we going to be able to find God when we look to our side. Try it. Look to your side. If there's empty seats, it's summer. It's okay. Bless you anyway. And the beach and the sand and the lake and the boats, right? Which, by the way, if you guys haven't taken a vacation, try to, okay? Uh, we joke about that. It's very important for you guys to have time to rest. And if you guys have kids especially, make sure that you guys have time away with your kids. If you, get, if you don't have money, if you need to do a staycation, you know, stay inside and hang out, just do that too. So I will joke about everybody who's not here, okay? So if you are gone, I am going to make fun of you. But I want you to do that. It is good, all right? Okay. To your side, these people in this room, this is the first place that we begin to encounter God. And what's crazy about that is this. This is often the last place that we expect to find God. Now, what I'm not saying is this. I'm not telling you to find God only in the people who you want to be on your left and your right. Do you hear that? Okay. Here's what I'm saying. In every single space that you go in your life, in your family, your friends, at work, at Walmart, you fill in the blank. Whoever happens to be on your left and your right, these are the people that we can, if you would, encounter God in a new way. One of the themes of the New Testament, uh, which is powerful, is this idea of testimony, right? The believers were called witnesses before they were called disciples. Before they were called Christians, they were called their witnesses. And the idea is that we are to witness. We are to come forward and say, here's exactly what I've seen. Here's what I've heard. Here's what I've experienced. Here is my story. I witnessed God in this way. The original disciples were called witnesses. They were the ones who walked and talked and ate and sat and listened. They, it was their responsibility to tell, to share the way that they witnessed, the way that they experienced, who they found God to be in Jesus. That was their job. And so from all their, you know, their time around Jesus, they now say, I know God. God is like this. God ate with me. He corrected me. He, he walked on water. He pulled me out of water. He told me that I should stop trying to bring down fire on people. He said lots of cool things to me. This is who God is. And then it was their job to take who they found God to be in Jesus and to take that witness, take that testimony, that story, and share it. And then the next generation of Christians, they took that story and they began to encounter God and they found him not only in the ways that the apostles told them, but now they began to experience God in ways in their lives, in their marriages, in their kids, at their workplace, whenever they were sick, when they had needs, and then they shared that. And it continues. It continues. The way it's supposed to work is this. Picture, if you would, all the generations of Christians, okay? Imagine one person, you know, from all the generations. The idea, and again, picture this, the idea is that they're all holding hands. And what connects us today, if you would, 
Here's my hand. What connects us in this room all the way to Jesus is this thing called witness. We come from a long line of witnesses. It's a story passed down all the way from the beginning all the way down to us. And now we witness not just by saying that they knew God. We say, I know God in my life, in my experiences, in my journey, in my learning and praying and seeking and growing and failing. And I know that this is God because it lines up with what they said about God. Does that make sense? Oh, I wish I had my Bible. Where's my Bible? Your Bible is not what connects you to the saints. How about that? Is that, is that hmm. Okay, well, yeah, okay, okay, sorry. Um, hold your stone. Just, you know, just sit on for a second. The Bible you have is nothing like the... Well, I don't want to say that. It is, less like, it is less like what they had than what you think. Let's just say that. We're not even going to talk about like, what your Bible really is. I mean, let, I mean, let's not even talk about that. You don't even want to know how they figured out the first canon or like, what books to include and which ones not to include. You don't even want to know that. It, it would make your ground start getting a little bit shaky. I just thought it came down from heaven. No, that was the Koran. Gotcha. Book of Mormon kind of too, though, so... That makes you feel better. That's not how the Bible came to be, and that's not the way that the first, we'll just say the first witnesses who agreed that that was the Bible, they knew it wasn't supposed to come that way, which is why they agreed on it. What connects us all the way back is witness. This is what it is. And this is why this is so crucial for us, because we have to continue the chain Here's the problem. It's a very important thing for us to be able to connect the Jesus of the first century. It's very important for us to take the Old Testament and Judaism and the law. It's very important for us to take the scriptures and, and, and to connect them to people today. But what truly connects them to people today is whenever I have not only, if you would, yes, I have the Scripture in this Bible, but I have this encounter and relationship with God, and this lines up. It intersects right here. Yes, it's like the Scriptures, but you know what? It's also, it's more, yes, it's the Scriptures, but it's also me. I become the place where you meet God, not the Bible. You have to understand this. You have to get this. Jesus did not send the Bible into all the world to save all the nations. He sent the disciples into all the world to save all the nations. The Bible is crucial for us in this process. We talked about anchoring. We anchor ourselves in God revealed in Jesus, in the Scriptures, and in the community of the church. These three things have to be held to, but you have to get this. What God sends into the world is living breathing, different, odd, peculiar people. The whole point is this. The whole point is that it's hard for me, it's hard for me to look at the shack and say, okay, God's a black woman. Guess what? I'm not a woman and I'm not black. So it's a stretch for me. But you know what? There are women and there are black women in the world. 
It's a little bit easier for them to connect. And you know what? There's also Asians in the world too. Do you know that? <laughs> yeah. More Asians than there are white people. Do you know that? <laughs> oh, stop. Not talking about that. I'm absolutely convinced of this. I'm going to throw this out there. I'm absolutely convinced that one of the most important reasons that Jesus was a Jew is because there's so few of them. It is so hard for any of us to claim monopoly on Jesus because none of us, well, few of us, I'll say that. Few of us, sorry. <laughs> I think we have one or two in the room. Few of us are actually Jews. And so every one of us has to bend and move and stretch. <sighs> So he grew up in the Middle East, so he couldn't fly into the U.S. Okay, these are stretches for us. These are, oh, and that is the point. And we all come in this room and we all say, here is who I've experienced God to be. I, I found him in these ways. Whenever I'm, my brother was sick, whenever, you know, uh, I lost my marriage, whenever I I was abused, whatever. These are the places God showed up to me, and here's who I know God to be, and here's how it connects to the Scripture. And then I bring this piece, and you bring your piece, and you bring your piece, and we sit down, and we begin to piece this thing together. In the first place that, that this puzzle begins to come together is when you look to your side, when you begin to take the witness and testimony of the person next to you seriously. Here's the second place. When you begin to look inside, and that sounds a little bit Eastern, okay, just stay with me, it's okay. We discern God through introspection, which just means examining yourself, taking a hard look at yourself, emotional growth, and personal experiences. You will find God showing up over and over again in your life. One of the hardest things to do, though, is to take a hard look at your life, to be willing to find God showing up in your life, in the highs and the lows. One of the, the, the highs for me was being a father. You know, it was one thing to hear about, uh, about the story of, of, you know, Father God and His Son Jesus, and He sends His Son, you know, and His Son dies, and He loves us so much. You know, it was, it, 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 it. up here, I could connect to that a little bit. But it wasn't until I held my child that I go, all of a sudden, I am now encountering the reality of who God is and His nature, His desires for me, His, his if you would, His disposition, His emotions towards me. I'm encountering this in a new way as I go through life and as He shows up in my life. It's amazing how many things I've learned about God through parenting. Moments when I've made mistakes. I shared the story about throwing my cell phone into the window. Oh, sorry. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Happy. Happy you guys weren't here for that Sunday, so I just messed up. It's okay. It's summer. No one's here anyway. It's okay. Um, but there was a moment whenever I lost my temper and I paid for it. In our house, this window in the front of the house was broken for a year. And every day I came to the house, I had to be reminded that I have anger in me. It was painful. Because... There are many things, for example, if it was sheetrock, I would have had that thing all taped up and painted that night. 
Click dry. I would have been all over it. Because I don't want to be reminded of that, right? But there's something about this piece of cardboard I had to put on the front window where everyone can drive by and be like, hey, so that's the pastor's house, right? Yeah. So what happened to your window? <laughs> Every one of you asked that question. Hey, so what happened to your window? Nothing happened. <laughs> it was a bird. It was a really big bird. It just... And every single day I had to come through this, and I had to face it. And so, if you would, through a high in my life, through being a father, through, uh, you know, with my children, I've been able to encounter God in that. And then through a low in my life, through having to come to God in humility and having to grapple with this low in my life. Okay, this is in me. This is real. Where does this come from? And having to allow God into this place, and now I've encountered God in a whole new way. A whole new way. And so we continually will begin to find God in life if we would just look, if he would just be still enough, be quiet enough. And again, the most powerful thing about God is that you find him in, in both the good and the bad in both the light and the dark. He's, he's always present to be with us. And so again, yes, I can encounter him holding my child, but I can also encounter him in the moment of my deepest failure. And, I, and in that moment, I get to know him in a different way. Take a deep friendship or a spouse for you. It was great to enjoy great things, right, with your spouse, right? Um, went on a really great vacation. It was a high, right? It was great to encounter and enjoy that with your spouse, correct? No one's been on vacation. I know you're lying. Okay. But then, for those of you um, in the room who have a healthy marriage, okay, when you go through failure and pain and you choose to not, when you choose to not walk through that alone, it's possible to go through something with someone, but to do it alone. Does that make sense? You can be on the same path, but walking on your own. It's another thing to go through it hand in hand. And you begin to, to learn new things about that person, which you could not have learned outside of that painful situation. Does that make sense? Okay, that's what we're talking about with God. It's possible to be a Christian and to have faith and to love God and to still... Go through the parts, the dark places in your life alone. And there, is, there are facets. There are parts of who God is that you will not experience outside of bringing him in to those lows in your life. And so we learn who God is. We encounter, we see glimpses of who God is through the people around us. And then we also begin to see who God is by bringing him into other experiences, if you would. We bring him into life. We, we unlock him from Sunday morning and from our prayer closet. We let him go with us every single moment of every day. We bring him into these things. We walk through life with God, and we encounter new things about God. I found this. People who have experienced pain and have let God walk with them through pain, this process of having to re-encounter who God is is much easier for them. There's something about experiencing pain and honestly encountering it that just shakes you up inside and makes you willing to meet God in new ways. Here's the third place. We will begin to find God outside, meaning outside of our 
boxes, outside of our circles, outside of our churches. We will find God in places we never wanted to find Him. Jesus was notorious for this. If you were to talk to a Torah-following Jew and say, you know what, you're going to find the Messiah, and He's going to be eating with tax collectors and prostitutes, that's where you're going to find Jesus. What do you think that? Okay. You're going to find Jesus at the pub. He's voting Democrat today. You better go catch him. <laughs> Amen. I love that. That's the best. Because, <laughs> like, you all kind of shift a little bit in your seat. You know? <laughs> you will find him outside of the places you thought you're going to find him. The entire New Testament, the story of God taking on a human body is the ultimate example of finding God in places you did not think he was going to be found. An experience of this for me uh, started with Pastor Larry. Um, we flew from Pennsylvania to Dallas, Texas. This was, I mean, I was like 10 or something like that, 10 or 12 or something. I don't know. We were going to see the power team. You guys remember the power team? Lord have mercy. Those were some big human beings, my goodness. <laughs> we sat down to eat lunch, and they would, they'd all, each one would pull up three tables, and, and their food would spread. It was amazing. It was so cool. They had these baggies full of pills, though. I wasn't too comfortable with that. <laughs> it was the Holy Spirit. That's why, they, that's why they were so strong, the Holy Spirit. I'm just kidding around. Come on, wake up. That was funny. Okay. I'm telling you, they had big bags of pills. I'm telling you. Lots of vitamins. You guys are like, don't mess with the power team. You guys can mess with everything else. Leave the power team alone, you know. Um, but on this trip, we had a down day and uh, went to a mall. And it's the first time I saw, like, what a mall is supposed to look like. You know, you're in Dallas. So this is a mall. Wow. <laughs> this is huge. <laughs> and uh, and uh, went to a movie. And my mom wasn't there, of course. Oh, we went to go see The Matrix. Do you guys remember The Matrix, the movie The Matrix? Oh, yeah. Rated R, by the way. <laughs> Passion of the Christ is not the only movie you can watch. It's Rated R. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just couldn't resist. It was just right there. I had to. Sorry. I apologize. Um, so we went to see The Matrix. Now, uh, he prefaced this experience. He said, okay. There are some things in this movie that are not good, Devin, but I want you to see it. I said, I said, I said, I said why? Because I think it's going to teach you a lot about God. I was in. I was like, yes. It's the best like, Sunday school lesson I've ever had in my life, you know? <laughs> and uh, we watched The Matrix and uh, went back to the hotel, and I think that's the first time we ever had a real discussion about God. I mean, I mean, honestly. And we talked for hours about it. And he, he would just use this analogy, and he would use this one, and this one, and this one. And I'm pretty sure that next Sunday I, at the church we went to, I'm pretty sure that some pastor somewhere that, in that span of time was talking about how bad the Matrix was and, you know, Antichrist, everything. You know, okay. It was great. But it was one of the first experiences I had where someone said, hey, we're going to go find God in a place that you probably didn't think you're going to find God. No, God isn't the shooting people thing, okay? But he's, he's in 
this story somewhere, and I want to show it to you. And, it, it, and so with all of the stuff I do that steps on your toes, you can blame Pastor Larry. <laughs> he started the whole thing. <laughs> it all started, you know, with the red pill and the blue pill. I think you know which pill this church is. If you want the other pill, you need to go somewhere else. <laughs> and so uh, this is what the process looks like for us. And these are the places that we find Him. If you're willing to let that friction, if, if you're willing to allow God to break up these small images and these, these, these small ideas of who He is, if you're willing to let God be big, to be really who He is, the intricate, the beautiful, the complex, the multifaceted, if you would. Uh, if you allow Him to be fully who He is in your life, it's going to look like this. And the places that you're going to begin to find Him is first in the people around you when you begin to take them seriously. It's not to mean that everything that someone tells you is right about God. It's not that. It's that you approach every person expecting to find God in them. Now, as a pastor, it's very easy for me to assume it's my job to teach you about God, okay? That, that's, it's very easy to get into a conversation, and it'd be, yes, yes, and like, really, I'm just looking to, you know, teach you. I'm just letting you talk so I can tell you what you need to think. That's great, it's great, but what you need to know is this. This is God. <laughs> but for me, it's, it's having to sit down, and it's not just my role to teach. I'm here, and, you know... In you, I come expecting to find God. When we're having coffee, when we're talking in the foyer, when we're, you know, we're watching a game, whatever, whenever, um, you know, I'm with you in the hospital, I'm expecting God to show up, not just through, through um, healing or, or through something I say, but through you as well. And that is taking the witness, the testimony of each other seriously. Now, we always have to take that to Scripture. It always has to line up with the image of God and Jesus, Okay but I'm going to expect to find God there. And, and secondly, I'm going to expect to find God in my life, inside. I'm going to expect to find Him showing up through the highs in my life and the lows in my life. I'm going to, you know, find God, uh, find God through, you know, the, the highs and lows in my marriage and my parenting and, and, and work. And I'm also going to find Him in the lows, in my failures, in the places where I stumble and I fall. When I choose to let Him in to those moments, I will begin to know Him in a new way that only walking through those things with God will allow me to know about Him. And lastly, I'm going to begin to expect to find God everywhere outside. I expect to find God in places I do not want to find Him. I'm not telling you to go to every R-rated movie. <laughs> this movie's a great one. Uh, um, isn't that movie about the strip club? It's great. Oh, look, there's God. You know, it's beautiful. Oh, yeah. It's all natural. It's all God anyway, you know? Like God's in the beauty, right? No. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying to go watch every R-rated movie. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that. Please don't quote me on that. I'm just saying expect to find God in places that you didn't think He would be. That's what you have to do. Now, this is all centered on one thing. If you're willing to worship a God for who He is, instead of worshiping God for how He's like you.